Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello there, and welcome to Locked On Suns, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Kellen Olson, your host of Locked On Suns. Another day of Suns basketball to get through. Today is Thursday. It is the second to last week of the regular season. Pretty crazy to look back. We've been bringing you guys episodes five days a week since uh, really the preseason. It was October, beginning of October we started this. We're over 110 episodes deep into the podcast through one season. It's going to be several more after that, of course. Hope you guys have been enjoying the ride. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. That is at LockedOnPHXSuns. On Twitter there you can find the link to subscribe to our iTunes page where you can follow along pretty much the best Two ways to keep up with the podcast. Leave us a review there if you want to as well. Don't really mention that too often. Don't want to be the guy that says leave us a five-star review on iTunes every single episode. We all know that is something that happens a lot with podcasts. I'm not going to be that guy, but hey, I haven't mentioned it for at least a couple of months. So leave a review. Hey, maybe, you know, let us know what you think. Five stars preferably, of course, to not make us look bad. But I don't want you guys to lie. I want you guys to be honest, okay? Today we are going to be talking about a 120-111 loss to the Golden State Warriors in Phoenix. That is loss number 13 in a row for the Phoenix Suns. We are also going to be talking about their increased lead for the number two spot on lottery night because the Los Angeles Lakers beat the San Antonio Spurs 102-95 in San Antonio. That was a crazy game to go through. I'll briefly touch on that later on. And then we're going to be continuing on... Yesterday's theme of Markel Fultz or Alonzo Ball for the Phoenix Suns, I think me and Owen both agreed, I don't think we did agree, that the choice is Markel Fultz. But according to one ESPN insider, the Suns are leaning Lonzo Ball or Lonzo's the better fit. I'll kind of explain what all that means and uh, oh boy, that would not be great. I would not be a fan of uh, any team for that matter picking Lonzo Ball over Markel Fultz. I think Fultz is without a doubt, the best talent in the draft. But we'll get to that later on. Let's talk about the game first. A 120-111 loss. The Warriors outscored the Suns 41-18 to in the first quarter. Stephen Curry was an absolute madman in this one. He scored 42 points, had 11 assists. It felt pretty pedestrian, honestly, after the first quarter because in the first quarter, I believe he scored 16 points before the first official timeout, which means in less than six minutes, which was just madness. And I kind of jokingly tweeted like is he going after the 70 right now is, is that what he's going to do right now is he going to score 71 75 80 what's going to happen uh, and then he kind of cooled off the rest of the game relatively speaking because of course he was on pace for over what is that over 120 points probably wasn't going to do that of course but he just had crazy shots it was just you're so used to at this point I think so many people are used to how bananas his pull-up game is and off the dribble and just like the ridiculous shots that he takes and the clear game plan here for the Warriors was attacking Tyler Eulis. And this is one of the things that I've been worried about when it comes to Tyler Eulis potentially starting down the line or really just playing big minutes for a team is that when teams are aggressive with him setting screens and you have a team like the Warriors who there are good screens and there are bad ball screens. And the Warriors set a lot of good ones. Zaza Pachulia, one of the best 
in the NBA at doing it, and Eulis just, there's no other way to put it, he is too small. It is hard for him to get around screens, and he cannot go under screens because he's guarding Steph Curry, and you cannot go under a screen for Steph Curry. So he's trying to fight to go over it, and most guys have to fight through the contact and stuff, but he gets like legitimately halted by these seven-footers because they're so much larger than him that he just kind of has to... Sometimes I think the better option for him might just to be crawling under their legs. I'm not making a joke or anything like that. I'm just saying that he gets legitimately stopped. Like, all of his momentum is done, and he has to, like, basically restart. And Curry is going full speed wherever he's going. So that also relies on the big for the Suns to defend the point guard for a little bit until they figure out what they're going to do, switch back, or just stay on. And when Alex Len or Alan Williams is in the game, that's a lot of trouble. Other guys like Dudley... Bender, Chris will have a better success rate, but when it comes to those guys, they really struggle. And with Eulis, it's just going to become a problem. And we were wondering when teams, how it would look for Tyler Eulis and Alan Williams after teams were scouting them and adjusting for them and noting them. And for Williams, obviously, the scouting report is just keep a body on him, don't let him get around. I even saw in like preseason games this season, uh, coaches screaming and making sure to say, put a body on him and getting frustrated when their bigs weren't boxing out Allen Williams. So all the teams have known that for a long time about him. But with Ulis, it was going to be interesting to see how te- how it was handled for him defensively if teams really looked to attack him, if teams were forcing him to take jump shots and not allowing him to be at his best, which is when he's providing for his teammates. And we've seen over the past couple of games, especially the game, the last game we saw uh, before the Warriors game when he almost had his triple-double, when his jump shot is falling and he's got the touch on those 12 to 20 footers, he is a very lethal offensive player. Uh, and that's really what he truly relies on. Some games he has it, some games he doesn't. And this one he did have it going a little bit. He had a rough night, though, because, I mean, he was on Steph a lot. Uh, but he still finished 8 of 21 from the field, had 20 points. He had 6 assists, 5 rebounds as well. So a solid night for him uh, statistically, but... Fighting through those screens, that's something to keep an eye on because he just, he can't. I mean, there are just going to be limitations to size in a lot of different aspects in the NBA. And one of them there for Euless is just fighting through screens. And when you have a guy that shoots 40%, 38%, 45%, whatever it is from three, he can't go under. So he has to fight over and there are just some guys like Zaza who are so massive and so good at setting the right screen that... He's going to have trouble, and they were clearly attacking Euless. Kerr clearly had the game plan, or whoever it was on their coaching staff, of attacking Euless, and it worked. And not to say that Steph wasn't being Steph, and there were a lot of situations where the Suns couldn't do anything about it because Steph is one of the best players in the league, but the game plan really worked. And it was rough to see because Euless is a guy that a lot of fans have high hopes for. I know a lot of them feel a lot of you feel that he could potentially be the starting point guard for this team at one point in his career, whether that's in his prime in a couple of years, whatever the timeline is. I'm not ruling that out after someone's rookie season, but it's just so hard after seeing some of the walls that he comes up against, especially the human walls and these screens. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings, much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. 
So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Uh, but yeah, so Steph finished with 42 points. And this was a close game because no one else on the Warriors was helping out Steph. At halftime, Steph had 28 points. And the second leading scorer on the Golden State Warriors had 6 points. And that was Clay Thompson. And he was the only player besides Steph who had more than 5 points. The Warriors went on to score only 17 points in the second quarter. Phoenix outscored them 34-17. to Their second unit played really well in this game. They combined for eight steals. Allen Williams had four of them. Jared Dudley and Ronnie Price each had two. And Jared Dudley had one of his best games of the season. He had 19 points, seven rebounds, six assists. He was plus seven. Allen Williams had 16 points and 17 rebounds. We talked about it on the last show. I was curious to see with two games where he wasn't either playing that much or just in both games in general, he wasn't producing like he normally does. And I was curious to see if this was just the falling off point or was he going to continue. And all he did was respond with 17 rebounds in 25 minutes to go along with 16 points. So it's safe to say that Alan Williams is here to stay with that productivity. I'm not saying that over the course of one game we should label that, of course. But at the same time, he just keeps getting it done, man. I just stopped doubting Alan Williams after like the second, third week he was in the rotation. I stopped looking at all of his flaws and just said, this guy just rebounds and scores. And at a certain point, nothing else should really matter besides that because he's really putting in work. Of course, that second unit was able to succeed because the Warriors were without Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala and Kevin Durant. So their second unit, uh, guys like Patrick McCann, James Michael McAdoo, were moved into the starting lineup, and then their, their second unit was Sean Livingston, JaVale McGee, David West, Matt Barnes, and Ian Clark. So that was a subdued second unit, to say the least, and the Suns took advantage. All those guys were positive uh, coming off the bench, except Bender, who only played 11 minutes. Plus 13 for Adam Williams, plus 13 for Derek Jones Jr., plus 7 for Dudley, and even Ronnie Price going plus 3. Uh, that's not something we've seen from Ronnie too much this year, is him coming out with a positive plus minus at the end of the game, but... There it is for uh, Roddy, but nothing much else to really take away from this game. Um, Devin Booker finished with 21 points, 7 of 24. It's always going to be a rough go for anyone chasing Klay Thompson through screens and covering Steph Curry. It's going to be really rough for them on the other end, too. And Booker was trying his hardest out there. One of the things I tweeted out during the game is that he doesn't get enough credit for the offensive possessions when he is just flat-out sprinting. And there are hustle plays where you're like you're diving for loose balls, you're really making an effort on the glass, but he makes a lot of hustle plays offensively where he will just sprint up the court in transition. And he had a couple of those tonight where he, I think he knew um, deep down or just realized that they are going to need to get some extra buckets here and there to really pick up this game and get the win. And they were close. They were within five points at one point, but there was a dagger at the end of the game where Clay uh, Steph was coming off a bunch of motion and Booker kind of got lost in it for a second on the other side of the court and didn't realize where Clay was and then Clay was wide open on the wing and that goes in when Clay's wide open on the wing it goes in so the Suns are now 22 and 57 but perhaps the bigger news of the night was the Lakers moving to 23 and 55 this is a bizarre game in San Antonio I was keeping an eye on the scores as I was uh, in the media room it was 40 to 16 Lakers at one point. So they were up by 20, or no, I believe it was 40 to 14. They were up by 26 at one point, but then I was following along with the game, and the Spurs were, I believe, within two, uh, either in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. I want to say the third, so I just turned it off. I assumed the Spurs were going to pull away here because they were not really sitting anyone. Manu was out with a right quad contusion, but the guys, the older guys were in there. Pau Gasol was in there. Tony Parker was in there. 
LaMarcus Aldridge was in there. Kawhi Leonard only played 14 minutes. LaMarcus Aldridge only played 16 minutes, but that was, uh, I believe, a product of what was going on. I can't really say what it actually was without watching the game, but maybe they were on a minutes limit. I don't know what the situation there was, but at the end of the day, man, the Lakers came out and they had a 31-14 lead to start the game. So I'm guessing those low minutes, there were more of a message from Pop that they just weren't going to play if they were going to play that way and get outscored 31-14 to by one of the worst teams in the league to start the game. Tyler Ennis, our guy, the former first-round pick of the Suns, finished with 19 points and 6 assists on 8 of 14 shooting for the Lakers. So they moved to 23-55, and 55, meaning because both teams were tied in the win column. So now what happens is if the Suns just lose their next three games, they are going to at least have the number two spot on lottery night. Now, there is a situation where they could potentially be a number one, depending on what happens with Brooklyn. Brooklyn, I believe, has won three straight. They have four games left against Orlando, two against Chicago, and then I believe the other one is against Boston. So it is strange to even think of a scenario where the Nets win five of six to close the season. But they are playing against Orlando, one of the worst teams, who I believe has lost five straight at this point. And then Chicago, I mean, wouldn't it be the most Bulls thing possible with the way their season has gone to lose two games to the Nets to get knocked out of the playoffs? That would be pretty amazing. Uh, We're going to wrap up here on the Markel Fulter Alonso ball discussion. Chad Ford of ESPN, who I disagree with a lot when it comes to his draft opinions, but the one thing Ford is excellent at is being plugged in with NBA offices. I remember last year, uh, the day of the draft or the day before the draft, Thon Maker, who was a guy that was maybe like a late first-round pick, um, second-round guy, like one of those guys who like could go in the late first round but could also really fall in the second round, uh, kind of like what happened to Jordan Clarkson a couple years back when he fell to the Lakers. Um, he was all over Thon Maker moving up into the top ten and had him mocked at the Bucks uh, about an hour or two before the draft. I remember just all of a sudden Maker jumped to ten, and I was like, what on earth? And then... Maker went to the Bucks at 10. So Ford knows his stuff when it comes to being plugged into the NBA offices and has, of course, been the draft expert over at ESPN for quite a long time. He had an insider article come out today that basically ran over every single lottery team and if they would take Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball based on, I believe what it's based on, is his opinion and also what he has talked about with uh, teams and people on those teams. So with the Phoenix Suns, he has them. Had a number one pick, taking Lonzo Ball. And uh, here's what Ford had to say. The Suns have two point guards on the roster who have been starters, Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight, but I don't think that will affect their draft plans. I agree with that. Both players were available at the trade deadline. The Suns have gone all in on a youth movement and plan to build around Devin Booker, Marquis Chris, and Dragon Bender. Adding a young point guard is an attractive option for them. The Suns lean ball in part because they feel they need a facilitator who can get everyone else on the team involved. While some teams are really split on the ball versus Fultz question, the early indications I get out of Phoenix are that the Suns lean pretty heavily toward ball. That is a pretty definitive statement for Ford to make. He's not even saying that it is a 50-50 discussion right now for the Suns. It is that they're looking at ball. They're, they have ball ahead of Fultz. That's essentially what I get out of that is that right now they are ball over Fultz. They're not even like debating it. Right now, of course, they're going to be debating it uh, all the way up to the draft. But in my opinion, that's just the wrong move because I think Fultz is in a whole other tier on his own. I think every the consensus of nearly every draft expert I see is that Fultz is without a doubt the best player in this class, but he's also like in his own tier. There's really no 
Durant Odin question there at the number one pick or anything. It should be Fultz. And then depending on how you feel about Josh Jackson and Lonzo Ball, there's like a little tier there. And then there's a drop off after those two as well. But apparently those tiers will not matter according to Ford for some teams. And one of those teams would be the Phoenix Suns. I'm not sure what a future looks like with Lonzo Ball on the Suns. It's hard to say because the thing that makes Ball so great at UCLA, there are a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons that he's so great there is because they completely played his game from the jump. They were running. Everyone was passing the way that he was passing and that is something that has to come around everyone. And for a team to completely adjust to a rookie's play style and run his his stuff, basically, is going to be a strange adjustment to see. I know the Suns already run a lot, but they do not move the ball like UCLA did, and they would have to make a lot of adjustments to move the ball the way he did. I also don't like the defensive choice there because I feel Fultz has a higher upside than ball. On defense and with Devin Booker defensively right now, you've got to really account for that for the future, especially with TJ Warren at the three, who hasn't necessarily been a liability on defense this year, but isn't a stopper, isn't a good defensive player by any means. So you would potentially have three bad perimeter defenders, and then from there you're just begging to be a bad team. And I would not like to see that at all. I would really prefer for the team to take Fultz, but as of right now, it looks like they're leaning ball according to one uh, ESPN Insider Chat Ford, of course, you can read the full article on ESPN.com. But man, that is, uh, for me, that is troubling news. I am uh, still shocked by it, to say the least. I'm not sure if that's a smokescreen or what it is, but we'll find out on draft night, certainly, if the Suns win the lottery. We won't find that out until early May. Uh, but until then, we'll have to keep speculating, and that's what we're going to continue doing here on Lockdown Suns. We will be back tomorrow. I believe we are going to be doing a late post-game edition after the Oklahoma City Thunder game. Wish I could be there, but I won't be. Russell Westbrook will likely break the triple-double record in Phoenix. It's hard to see him not doing it against the Suns team as they look to not end the game, end the season on a 16-game losing streak. But if they do so, they land at least the number two spot on lottery night. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Rush into Old Navy today for this can't-miss one-day deal. 50% off all Old Navy active for the family. Get the workout wear you need at a huge 50% off one day only today. Hurry in or miss out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1020, select styles only, excludes in-store clearance.